everyone. Welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide podcast. Uh, hoping, hopefully, you're no longer a novice at this. Uh, you're moved on to journeyman we're, and we're a master like Josh and myself. We're in good shape. At this. <laughs> we are still novices at the entire thing, yes. Uh, I am, of course, Dan. Josh is my co-host. Hi. <laughs> good evening, everyone. Uh, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing all things Earth Dawn, magical, mechanical, especially tonight. I think we're going to do um, emailical. I'm just I'm going to pull that trope again. Uh, and uh, we'll cover some spell casting. So definitely magical. Yes. <laughs> Threadical. No, uh, we go from there. Uh, but by all means, we have some listener emails to get to. And just as a reminder, since we have two new emails, thanks, guys. Uh, please contact us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. <clears throat> Sorry for my voice. It's going to fade on me for a minute or so. Uh, but we'll get right to those, actually. First one we have is from Scott. Thank you, Scott. Uh, hi, guys. I'm liking the podcast, and I thought I would ask a question. The elemental clocks stopped falling in 1415, but Thrall started sending out annual scouting parties in 1409, six years prior to that. Does this imply that Thrall had some foreknowledge about the quote-unquote end of the scourge? Thanks. That is a, Josh? That is a great question. Um, it's kind of a follow-up to our discussion of the, the history the timeline of the Scourge and Thrall uh, from last episode. Um, so it's a, a great question. Um, and it, that's a good pickup. We didn't actually um, ad- address that at all in our discussion. But true. Um, and I don't remember now offhand um, whether it's mentioned in the fourth edition GM's guide, but I know it is mentioned somewhere at some point in the books that part of the reason that Thrall um, did, in fact, start sending out parties uh, early was because not because they knew that the that the scourge was over as much as they suspected that the Therans might not have been completely honest about when the scourge was going to end and thought that they might have given it a later end date to give themselves time to arrive and take control of stuff before um, the cares in Barsafe started opening and whatnot. So they started sending parties out in order to um, see for themselves and not take the Theron's word uh, at what was going on. So, yeah, no, that's that's a good pickup and, and a great question. And it was not so much that they knew that they were just playing the game of, well, we don't trust what they told us, so we're going to check for ourselves. Uh, page 26 in the GM's guide, actually, the answer you're looking for, Josh, uh, may have even been written by you. Uh, Theron predictions suspecting the Therans may have given conservative estimates to their subject nations, planning to be the first to reclaim the surface. Yep, there we go. So, yeah, that's, that's as close as we can get to Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it's not it's not that Thrall knew. It's that Thrall was being skeptical of the information that the Therans had given them. Wisely so, because it is the Therans. Um, <clears throat> all right. Second email comes from Brian. Hi, so, Brian. Uh, I, I actually know Brian. Uh, he's played in games oh, cool. that I've run at Gen Con. Um, nice. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for chipping in, Brian. Um I love his full email address and just reminds me that um, gaming is an all-inclusive community. So every profession you can think of plays. Yeah. So uh, Brian, want to drop us a line? Uh, let us know how much he's enjoying the podcast. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate it. Um, I especially also particularly enjoyed the shout out to Ronin. It's absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite, favorite movies. Brian, you and I can hang. We're good there. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please go watch that. Uh, I'm also running because I do have a question about the wizard spell flame flash page 344. He says, I assume <clears> is it just me? The, the 
the player's guide. Player's guide, yes. So is it just me, or is this spell pretty powerful? Maybe it's just that the wizard of my party rolls really well for damage. With respect to the duration, the spell notes that it is two rounds. The rule at our table has been that this means that it affects the target twice. Is this right? I know this applies to other multi-round spells as well. However, this is pretty much the only combat one that my spellcasters use. Parenthetical, the others tend to be party buffs that the spellcasters weave an extra thread to in order to extend the duration. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Brian. Um, Josh? Yeah, I'm I'm taking a look here. I'm not 100% sure that the duration is actually correct on that one. Um, Fair. I, I'll need to basically I'll need to double check with Morgan, to be honest. Um, he's he's no, the he's, he's the the <laughs> keeper of the uh, minutia of the uh, rules changes and stuff. Um, the the two round duration that is in place for a lot of those spells like to like um, Mind Dagger, which is another first circle yeah. wizard spell, um, has a two round duration as well. But the duration mm-hmm. on that is what applies to the the physical defense penalty that results on a successful casting. Uh, that's on 345 yeah. of the player's guide. Um, and so the mm-hmm. damage only happens once, but it is the 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 debuff effect, the the penalty that lasts for the two rounds, basically the remainder of that round after the damage is done, plus the next full round. Remember, I was talking last week about how durations, yes. we have them kind of so that they at least have a have a potential effect. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether but Flame Flash does not have any kind of secondary effect like that. And I'm not sure whether that means that it actually does um, will plus five damage twice, that is once each round, or whether that is something yeah. that is a um, uh, artifact of the um, like it, at one point in the previous before release version, it might have had a secondary effect. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, I remember in previous editions, spells like ignite and flame flash probably had the at the first round it does you know, X amount of damage, whatever it may be. And then the next round, you take it down two steps because the fire is beginning to die out. Right. And and it, it strikes me that as a first circle spell, will plus five, even as a physical armor reducing um, mm-hmm. is kind of high for that to happen twice. But by the same token, it only has a 10 yard range. So you're generally doing it when you're up close and personal with someone. And it yes. requires a thread. So mm-hmm. that is kind of a, a counterbalance as well, is that until you get into um, journeyman circles where you have a, a um, an enhanced matrix to hold that thread pre-woven, you're only going to be yes. casting that spell every other round. And so mm-hmm. at that point, it ends up being um, roughly equivalent to... Um, the Neithermancer um, Astral Spear, which is a first circle yeah. spell um, that I believe does will plus four. Astral Spear. Spear does will plus four, but it's mystic and it's got a longer range. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure. I, I do like looking at it because I haven't actually played with a wizard in a while 
um, in in fourth edition. So, uh, I it is a good question. I will have to look into that. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, with the extra threads increasing duration as well, again, that might be an artifact of something from a from a pre-release build. Um, but yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check with Morgan. So uh, we'll get we'll get back to you on that. Uh, check next episode. We should have an answer soon. Uh, yeah, or <coughs> uh, you today. know, I'm gonna <laughs> shoot a message off to Morgan here now and see if we get an answer back before the end of the show. Oh, cool! Look at that instant podcast. Won't catch that from anybody else. Just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think this is going to lead into our very much longer discussion that we have planned for tonight. I think we only got one more topic because we tend to running about an hour, hour and fifteen for some of these. So, this next topic is going to run us probably the entire episode um <laughs> there is a lot to cover because this question asked by brian leads us into the perfect uh thing last time around we covered basic actually i, I have one i have one quick little uh funny thing first so to speak of flame flash you have to act this spellcaster actually actually make crackling and whooshing sounds uh i i assume sounds like a fire do you have sound effects that you can do for this me personally josh like yeah. actually like right curious. now no Okay, I've always had a good fire sound effect. My brother liked it a lot, so I can I can do it on I can do it on command actually. So it's so I do that one. That's my whooshing sound. Anyway, sorry. We're going to talk spell casting for the rest of the episode. Um, it's since we covered combat last episode, we're going to cover spell casting this episode. That should cover the groundwork and the mechanics for all the disciplines we're going to cover after this. So now everybody's covered. If you have any questions about how to do combat when we get to like warriors. Come back to the last episode if you have any questions on how to cast spells and what the threads mean, kind of. Then come back to this episode, hit the generics again, and then go back to your uh, discipline of choice <clears throat> as we hit them one at a time. So, the basics of spell casting. Yes. Where should we begin? Uh, weaving the uh, matrix, weaving the thread, copying the spell to Grimoire. <laughs> we, um, got, we got plenty of places to start. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, let's assume that we're heading into a combat of some kind. Okay, because most people are going to use their spells for combat or slightly before or slightly after, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's assume they're going to be in combat. They've already got it in their grimoire. They've done the spell once or twice before, maybe, or it's new. But they at least know it, and they know how to cast okay, it. Okay, yeah. So, so, so how do we start there? You know, so so you've got your, your new character. You start already knowing some spells. So we're not going to get into the whole thing about learning new spells. We may touch on that later as, as things go along. Um, yeah, that's a two, that's a two part. You know, that's, right there. that's, um, <laughs> that's, that's sort of an advancement thing. Um, so, well, let's, let's actually, before we, um, get, um, into that, let's talk about, let's talk about matrix. Let's talk about the different types of spellcasting. Well, no, let's talk, okay, let's, gotcha. let's talk oh, about the sorry. different, because you've got basically, you want to cast a spell, there are three, basically three different approaches that you can take, all of which follow the same sort of broad template, which we'll cover in a few minutes, but the, the three sort of different categories. The, the first and the safest and most common is matrix casting. And this is sort yes. of where Earth Dawn... Um, takes a nod to um, understanding the need for um, game balance in, in one sense. Mm -hmm. And that is where um, Dungeons and Dragons 
to use the sort of iconic counterexample, um, limits spellcasters by only allowing them to cast a certain number of spells per day. Um, and depending on the addition, the flexibility of what spells you have available to cast for those slots is, is greater or lesser. But the basic idea is that you can cast three for just pick a number out of the air. You can cast three first level spells per day. And once those are done, Mm -hmm. you're exhausted. You know, your, your options are exhausted and you need to basically sleep overnight, wake up in the morning and then do whatever your preparation is. And that's basically how the limit is, is that you've only got so many shots per se of Mm -hmm. your spells. And as you gain power, you get more of them and various things. Um, Earth Dawn. Which always made me wonder if, which always made me wonder if D and D spellcasters were solar powered. Because they have to do it in a solar cycle. Um, it's it's <laughs> um, it's it's a nod, I guess, to um, uh, Jack Vance. It's because it's sometimes called Vancean spellcasting because it refers to a um, uh, novels by the author Jack Vance and how many um, like in the I think it was the Dying Earth novels of his they uh, had um, like casters could only do so much a day because of the way that that world was set up. So I've heard I've never read the books myself. So but that I mean, it's called fancy and spellcasting. So that's the that's the general gist. Yeah. Anyway, Earth Dawn does not. Earth Dawn does not limit its spellcasters in that sense. There is uh, part of the argument is that, well, if everybody is has magical abilities, OK, and a mm-hmm. sword master is effectively using magic every time he tries to hit somebody with his sword. And is not limited on how many times a day he can do that. Does it seem fair that a spellcaster would be limited in how often they can do that? The answer to to maintain sort of the consistency of of the way that Mm -hmm. magic sort of works. And the answer to that basically comes out to be no. Okay. Well, understanding that, you know, with that as the as the answer, you need to take sort of a nod, at least in some regards, to looking at some kind of game balance as a concept. How yes. do you how do you limit that? And the way that Earthdon limits that is with what are called spell matrices, and that is basically mm-hmm. um, you have a number that that a a matrix and a matrix is a talent, much like um, melee weapons is for a swordmaster. But a matrix is a talent, and it holds a spell ready to go. With a spell in a matrix, yes. you can cast it, you know, as frequently as you are able to. There's no limit to the number of times per day that you can cast mm-hmm. any any of your spells. You can bring any of them to bear at any time, subject to the limitations of how it all works. But the limit basically in combat, because <clears throat> combat balance is a very different thing from non-combat balance. Um, Agreed. Combat balance, combat balance is spellcasters by limiting the number of spells that you have safely ready to go at any one time. Right. So so a a first circle, a brand new spellcaster will have um, two, maybe three spell matrices, depending on how they they do their initial build. Um, In fourth Mm -hmm. edition, you do get two matrices for free. Um, Yep. But basically, you put a spell in a matrix. And if it's in a matrix, then you can safely cast it. And we'll get to the whole process of that. Two or three ready to go. Yeah. So you can have up to two or three ready to go for your combat if you've got six or seven spells based upon your perception step then pick the three that are going to work for you in the upcoming combat so almost all spellcasters have to be somewhat of a 
slight um, uh, planner <laughs> to think ahead a little bit more than just, I'm going to draw my sword and hit the guy. That's a different thing. Right, yeah. They're just generally speaking, spellcasters and spellcasting are a little bit more advanced when it comes to the the play options and stuff. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a little bit more that's that's going on there. And if you're a player who likes to sort of plan ahead and solve sort of solve resource puzzles. Um, that is yeah, like, that. like trying to figure out the, the best way to use the tools that you have, but you have a limited like spellcaster. I love playing spellcasters in Earthdawn. I mean, I like playing spellcasters in, in RPGs in general, but I really like mm -hmm. them in Earthdawn just because of the you get a you get a, a broad toolbox to figure out how to um, apply to your various situations. Yes. And most spells have some serious um, what's the term I'm looking for? Whoop ass to them? They can, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they um, can. And uh, yeah. So, so to to step back here real quickly, I already have heard back yes. from Morgan. Um, Morgan nice. says, uh, Morgan says that it is in fact correct. The flame flash spell does do its damage twice. So, yeah. Ooh. Um, will plus five both rounds. Will plus five over both rounds, but it does have the 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 one thread, which we'll get to what that means here shortly. Um, yep. And uh, it is reduced. <laughs> it is very close range and reduced by physical armor. So um, there there are, you know, downsides to that power. And armor always counts. So yeah. that's good to know. But it does bathe your opponent in f yeah. fire. So that's always a good thing. Um, but there we are. So um, matrix castings are first type yeah. of casting. Matrix casting is, is the first type of casting. And we'll get to why matrix casting is a good idea when we get to the third type. Yes. So I know what that one is. Okay. So, uh. so, so if that's the third type, which we'll get to in a moment, what's the second type? Grimoire casting. Grimoire casting. Okay. Can you talk about grimoire casting? Oh, I, no, because my characters have only ever done grimoire casting like twice when they've found a spell in a care somewhere. And I'm like, Oh, I have to cast this thing right here on the spot. And there's a whole, paragraph or three or four steps on how to do so yeah. in the tax that uh comes across that character to get that part done so uh and my voice is fading so i'm gonna punt on that one okay but i can help fill in on the raw casting sure, like sure. i said only because my spellcasters have done very little grimoire casting over my entire career well the, the grimoire casting is in in a sense kind of it's it's similar to well how grimoire casting works depends on what edition you're talking about um, Good point. In 1st in edition, so basically, broadly speaking, Grimoire casting is similar to Matrix casting, except that you don't have the spell ready to go instantly. You generally need to take a little bit of time to prep the spell beforehand. Now, there are yes. some limitations and whatnot that spring up with that, depending on which edition you're talking about. In 1st edition... Um, the original iteration of grimoire casting, the only spells that you could cast from a grimoire were spells that you did not already know yourself. The idea behind it being, if I'm recalling correctly, that it was intended to be a more of a story slash plot device, which is to say that um, when 
Like, you find an old grimoire that has the spell that will stop the horror in its tracks right then, and you don't have time to actually learn it, or maybe it's a higher circle spell than you could normally cast safely, and things like that, Mm -hmm. that you could then use that old book to cast the spell. This is actually used in the second uh, Earthdawn, official Earthdawn adventure, Terror in the Skies. The climax of that adventure actually does involve one of the spellcasters in the group using a grimoire they found in the care to mm-hmm. banish the horror that's causing the problems. And that part of what's going on with that big final battle is the rest of the group kind of trying to protect them while they weave. It's like four threads and, and whatnot. So, yes. so it's, it was originally intended as kind of a, of a plot device as a story device. Um, um, and so it, you could, only cast spells that you did not already know as a character. Um, the, but you could cast spells that were higher than your circle. Matrix casting, you can't cast anything higher than your than your circle. If you're a second circle character, a second circle spellcaster, you can't weave or you can't cast spells from a matrix higher than second circle. Grimoire casting, you could get around that. So the question begs is. <clears throat> And I'm going to lead into this real quick, which is, therefore, does the grimoire, to ask on behalf of most of the fans, does the grimoire act as the matrix that filters the magic so that you can cast it? In first first edition, that was basically the case. I don't recall that it was actually sort of specified at all. Um, I don't either. I just wanted to make sure that it made some kind of logical game balance sense. Yeah, because in first edition... Grimoire casting was so very seldom used that I don't think the question ever really needed to be addressed. I don't recall offhand, and I don't have my first edition book right to hand to check, but it didn't have anything that was in that section about needing to worry about taint and damage and stuff like that, like you do with raw magic. Um, Yeah. That was not a particularly popular option when it came to sort of player desires, like why can't I cast a spell that I know? Why can't I cast a spell from my own grimoire? Like -hmm. there was never any really satisfactory, like magic theory explanation as to why you couldn't do that. If you can cast a spell from a grim, from somebody else's grimoire, a spell that you don't know, why can't you do that from your own? Um, and so, Later editions basically tried to find ways to do that, to, to make that option available and try and figure out a good game balance way for it. Because effectively what, what ends up happening is that allowing magicians to cast spells from their own grimoire basically gets around the limitation of spell matrices. Basically. Fair. You know, if, if, if the balance thing in combat is that you only have two or three or four or however many spells ready to go at one time, but mm-hmm. you suddenly allow them to cast from their grimoire, all of the spells that they know now become available and the matrices are no longer a um, check, a, a, a balance factor. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so generally what was done, and I have not looked at second edition in a while to remember specifically what they did, but third edition did this and second may have as well is basically when you are 
casting a spell from a grimoire, whether it's your own or somebody else's, whether it's a spell that you know or a spell that you don't, the, the grimoire does, in a sense, act as a filter, which is to say that it will not hurt the caster to do it, but it might hurt the grimoire. Book. And so there yeah. was a chance that if you were casting spells out of your grimoire in areas that were not safe, the same way that raw magic would do be so. safe or not safe, mm-hmm. um, you could risk damaging your grimoire or potentially, in the worst case scenario, having the grimoire end up getting marked by a horror, which is a bad yes. situation. Um, <laughs> especially if it's your own grimoire, because frequently, though not always, and we're going to talk about this in a future episode, um, mm-hmm. a grimoire is frequently, though not always, a pattern item for the magician that it belongs to. Frequently, yeah. but not always. Um, and so having that be marked by a horror is a, is a bad situation. Um, fourth edition did away with, did we do away with the damage? I don't remember now. I do remember the one thing that we changed. Um, so the one thing that, that does need to be done with, um, grimoire casting, uh, in fourth edition is that you do need to spend around, um, preparing or attuning to the spell beforehand. Um, which is, um, yeah. Page 265 has the resolving raw magic effects from casting out of a grimoire. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Basically. So, you can ca- basically you can cast from a grimoire, but it's as if if you can if you attune beforehand that basically you this is OK. This is how this is how we balance it in fourth edition. I'm looking at the pages now. This is pages 264 to 265 in the in the fourth edition player's yeah. guide if people are interested. Um, basically, if you have time beforehand, you can attune the spell to the grimoire. And this is basically a. It's much like reattuning matrices, and we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. But basically, you have to take 10 minutes to essentially prepare the spell beforehand, and then mm-hmm. you have it available to cast. But because it takes time to do that, you only can do it if you have time to prepare. It's not something that you can whip off in a moment in combat. I mean, you can, but if you do it on the spur of the moment, it's as if you're casting raw magic. So you might as well just be casting raw magic. Basically. Um, that's, that's the, that's the balancing thing there is that you can attune a grimoire to do it ahead of time. Um, if you've got, if you're able to prepare, otherwise the process is more or less the same. Now, the advantage to casting from a grimoire, if you have time to prepare, um, (laughs) is that if it's your own grimoire, if it's a spell that you already know, and you are casting it from a grimoire, you get a you automatically get if it's successful a bonus success on the result that's a nice thing to get yeah so so it's really good basically it's the idea being that you are going to cast from your grimoire if you have the luxury of time that you're that yeah it, that basically that that's that the purpose of casting from a grimoire generally has been shifted to this is something that you do when you have the time to prepare, when you are safe at home doing work. And basically, as a result, your spells are a little bit better. You can kind of do it quick and dirty, but it's going to hurt the same way that that raw magic does. I equate this to a real life skill of cooking, which is I can kind of whip out dinner 
if I need to, just with ingredients out of the fridge, <clears throat> versus I have a recipe <laughs> that I need to follow that I may not remember all the steps for, and I need to keep that book open and reference it often as I'm cooking. Right. <laughs> um, so and and so, um, generally speaking, like, if you have time to prepare, like, it's not a bad idea, like, if you're going to be going into like a combat situation, but you know, you're going to, to maybe, um, reattune like one of your defensive spells in your grimoire Mm -hmm. and then cast that to get the extra success, which usually means a longer duration or something like that. Um, so that you can then have more, more combat spells ready to go or something along those lines. Now, when Mm -hmm. you attune a grimoire, again, we're talking fourth edition. When you attune a grimoire, you can only attune one spell at a time and it takes 10 minutes to do each of them. And the attunement lasts, you make a test and the attunement lasts for 10 minutes per success. So you can do it. It doesn't last a super long time, but generally it could, if you have time to prepare, give you maybe an extra spell to have handy to, to bring into a combat situation. Fingers crossed. Yes. And you, can, uh, fourth edition still does allow retuning on the fly, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll it's we'll just get a higher to, target number to get. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, the um, um, the the basic basically what's happening in fourth edition when you're retuning a grimoire is you are turning the pattern of the spell that is in the grimoire into a matrix, a temporary matrix. Basically, yes. is what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only okay. lasts for a certain amount of time. But in all the the difficulty is the same as if you're retuning on the fly. It just takes a little bit longer. Um, you know, and so I, I just think from a, from a magic theory standpoint, it feels a little bit more cohesive because now Mm -hmm. you can do it. Um, but you know, there's, and and there's game balance behind it. And so go to going back to our D and D example, uh, they didn't have a reason as to why, advance notwithstanding they didn't exactly is it ah, we just need to have a game balance but they don't have a, a, a real world application to put behind it here in earth dawn they actually did put something behind it which is you have to prepare yourself it's magic you're casting magic through your body mm-hmm. from astral space so you're drawing from the primordial plane ish uh through yourself into this matrix to filter it out clean all the guck out of the way um and then do what it's supposed to do. And so matrix casting has its reasons. Grimoire casting does the same thing. And finally, we have our third one. Yes. Right. Which is, which is raw, raw casting. magic, <laughs> <laughs> which is not exactly the world's, I mean, in a last ditch effort, mm-hmm. by all means do it. Um, only if you really, really have to, and you really don't like your character a whole lot anymore. Cause they may not survive. Um, it's it's a real real big risk. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it it is a it is a risk. It depends on where you are and what's going on True. and there are ways to potentially if you are cunning to maybe mitigate that risk a little bit. Um like mm-hmm. it's generally not something that you're going to want to do in the depths of parlance. Um but sometimes you <laughs> really really need a spell right now and you don't have time to like reattune on the fly to be able to cast it safely. Um, or maybe it's a spell that you know that is higher than you can safely cast from a matrix and you really need it. Mm-hmm. And so you you yeah. will raw cast it. Um, this is what heroes do. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dead ones. Well, I, I, I'm remembering the line from, from the movie Serenity, which is, you know what a hero is? A hero is someone who gets other people killed. <laughs> Love that movie uh, and everything about it. <laughs> so I'm with you there. Um, so raw, yeah, it's... 
Raw magic is kind of like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. You're dealing with you know, positron colliders and raw things happening from the ethereal plane that shouldn't be messed with in yeah. that fashion. I mean, and not for the weak at heart. <laughs> generally either. speaking, the 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 thing about the horrors is that they pollute and corrupt astral space by their very presence, mm-hmm. and. Unfortunately, when if you were to just grab that that astral polluted energy, it's going to damage you. It's going to hurt you. And what a spell matrix is, is it is, as you mentioned earlier, it's a filter that allows you to filter out the safe energy from the polluted mm -hmm. energy and therefore cast the spell without um, taking any injury upon yourself. Um, Yeah. And it, it requires a little bit of preparation. That is to say, you need to put the spell in the matrix ahead of time. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you do that in the, the long form, you know, 10 minutes of meditation or the quick and dirty in the middle of combat reattuning on the fly. Um, yes. You know, you basically you're you're doing that. Um, but raw casting is basically just grabbing the nearest handful of magical energy and chucking it at something. Basically, yes. Um, and, and <laughs> this has to work. the The amount of damage that that it can do depends on how polluted astral space is. And there's basically sort of four levels of that. Um, from the everything is safe, which is quite often in places that were um, in cares um, that did not fall during the scourge. Like a lot of the space mm-hmm. within the kingdom of Thrall is probably safe. Um, yes, there's open, which is like there hasn't been a horror around here nearby in quite some time, or it's just kind of general wilderness. Um, there's open plains, tainted, yeah. and then there's corrupt and corrupt is like there was a horror doing a lot of nasty stuff here recently, or there is a horror that has gone through here not too long ago and stuff like that. Um, and the amount of damage yeah. that you take is in relation to how polluted the space is and how powerful the spell is that you're casting, because the more powerful mm-hmm. the spell, the more energy you need to power it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that happens when whenever you cast magic, really, is it also basically sends up a sort of signal flare in astral space, um, and a matrix also dampens and hides that flare of energy. Um, if you do not have that when you're casting a spell, it is going to light you up like a beacon um, in quite a long ways around. And if there's anything close by that might want to come and mark you or snack on you or something like that, it, you know, will probably come and start taking a look. Yeah, you look like the anglerfish in the deep ocean. This thing is just flickering and they can see that miles and miles and miles yeah. away through all the blackness. So. Yeah. And yeah, casting is your anglerfish. Now, the the advantage, one advantage to raw casting is that you can cast any spell that you know, even if it's of a higher circle than you normally can do. And so it mm-hmm. is the only way to cast spells that are above your um, power level. But again, the more powerful the and spell. Above your matrix, and, and above your matrix and, level. And above yes. your matrix level, yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, the, the more powerful the spell, the more damage you will take, the more likely it is that it will draw the attention of a horror if one is in the area. Um, mm-hmm. And just like raw casting is, generally speaking, is a is a bad idea um, and only done in desperate or controlled circumstances. In a best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen people try and do raw casting 
when they just thought it was a, uh, I'll just try this. No, please don't try that. Well, one of <laughs> I my, recommend to you, please don't try that. One of my, like one of the first long-term Earth Dawn games that I ran, we had an elementalist, not elementalist, he was an illusionist uh, mm-hmm. in the group um, who learned the spell Flying Carpet. Um, yeah. And, and he was only fourth circle and he wanted one. So he cast it with raw magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so. That, yeah. Well, in, in cases like that, I'm like, well, okay, here we go. Well, and I got I mean, my he, dice he, and I look up he, stuff. He did and, it. He did it in a safe area. So it wasn't a huge problem. It was actually mm-hmm. more amusing by the reaction that the party wizard had when he showed up with it. Um, because the entry in the wizard's journal shortly after that was, I didn't think he was powerful enough to cast this spell, which means that either he's more powerful than I thought, or mm-hmm. he did it with raw magic and is therefore like really stupid or yes. like, ju- or like, or he did it with raw magic, <laughs> which is also a troubling thought. Um, yes. so uh, well put. So those are Absolutely the, so those are the three, three basic <clears throat> categories. And now we're going to sort of talk about the actual process of how you cast the spell um, and this is the same, you know, regardless of, of which of the methods that you that you use. Yeah, there's technically a fourth, but we'll get to that a little bit later, which is blood magic. So it's not exactly how to cast a spell unless you're desperate. So we'll, try, we'll get to blood magic later. This yeah, is really blood magic. We'll, we'll kind of three we want to cover in today. a different in a different episode. Yeah, probably. yeah. These are the three we're going to cover today. Well, so I, I hear so I probably heard somebody in the background blood magic. No, we're going to get there later. <laughs> It's going to happen. Just shelve that for the yeah, well, so, so so generally yeah. speaking, when you come when you are bringing blood magic into spellcasting, what is happening mm-hmm. typically is that you are using somebody else voluntarily or otherwise to mm-hmm. act as a matrix. And so the, the actual process itself of casting the spell is not going to be any different. Um, it's just basically, you know, are, are you being nasty and forcing somebody else to take the the raw magic damage that would they would that you would otherwise suffer for casting the spell. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Just to you know, a little pin in that one footnote on the blood magic. Yeah, we'll, 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 another episode. we'll talk about so. blood magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're going to cast a spell. Congratulations. You've got these three options. Uh, as you said, they pretty much work the same uh, depending upon what you're doing. So, We'll, we'll, we'll assume first. for the rest of this discussion that you are going to be casting a spell from a matrix. Yes, that's a good way to put that. Um, threads. Took me a long time through first edition to realize that the thread is not um, part of the spell pattern. It is the power of the spell. Yeah, this is this is the other nod to game balance a little bit when it comes to spell casting in Earth Dawn. <laughs> Um, and that is that um, it it can take more than a round to cast a spell. Depending on how powerful it is, you might need to gather some additional energy beforehand before you can cast it. And that is, in one sense, what thread weaving is. Um, in another, it's the, the simplified version of the spell that is in the Matrix um, is not enough on its own to cast a spell, so you need to bring a little bit of extra energy in to enlarge it before you can get the full spell pattern. But that's the that's the base guide. I mean, we haven't really like talked about patterns and stuff. That's we'll 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 get to that in another episode as well. 
Um, we're just yeah, kind of more concerned with the with the basic <laughs> process. So so thread exactly. weaving. Yeah, thread weaving. Uh, so you have your matrix all set. You need to power the spell. So a zero thread spell doesn't require a whole lot more power than just your body can produce, really. And then you got a, uh, a one thread spell, two thread spell, three thread spell. And as Josh said, those may take either more time or more oomph. So either a higher roll in certain cases to thread weave or uh, additional rounds to get the, to get those threads pulled together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I posted something a while ago on a, on a forum for earth on many years ago. Cause I finally took me literally 20 years to understand all of the processes involved. Um, Thread weaving is the kind of like hand crank on the old uh, meat grinder. A zero thread spell can just pass through the meat grinder without a problem. One thread is one pass of the uh, one pass of the handle all the way around, three hundred and sixty degrees to get the meat grinder powered to get the stuff pushed through it. So two threads, two tr- two cranks, three threads, three cranks, and so forth and so on. So that was my analogy. I finally came up with Th- that. That that's weaving. that's <laughs> not a that's not a bad analogy. Um, just just generally the, the idea being that um, and it's not quite as simple as all this, but basically that the a, a zero thread spell you can cast every round. There is no mm-hmm. preparation or additional energy or anything that, that you need to do. Just every round you can cast the spell. And technically you can just skip thread weaving on the zero thread because. Right. There, there is no That's actual thread weaving step because it does not require additional threads. But you can, you yes. basically cast the spell every round. Zero thread spells generally are lower circle, low, relatively low effect. Like we mentioned back when we were answering Brian's question, um, mm-hmm. that the that the uh, mind dagger spell, for example, has zero threads. So you can cast that every round, but it's um, uh, willpower plus no. two. So yeah. it's not not a huge effect um, uh, on that. Um, and then generally speaking, every thread is an additional round of preparation, roughly speaking, that you mm-hmm. would need in order to to get it going. Um, that's not a hard and fast rule because there are some other factors that come into play, like how difficult is it to actually weave the threads and what is the spellcaster's thread weaving talent step at you know, mm-hmm. like if 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 it's only a difficulty six and uh, and you've got a thread weaving step of 13, odds are not only are you going to do it, but if it's got multiple threads, then you're going to be able to weave multiple threads on average with a typical roll. Um, because yeah. in fourth edition, every success that you score when you make your thread weaving test and the thread weaving test is wizardry, elementalism, illusion, um, illusionism or nethermancy are the the. Four, four primary thread weaving talents but you make the test with that and each success weaves a thread if you got more successes than you are than you needed to successfully weave all the threads for the spell congratulations the extra successes unfortunately don't do anything for you um you know but that that is possible but like if if it's a difficulty six and it requires two threads if you roll an 11 you got both threads at once Mm-hmm. Um, and, and six plus five, eleven. Right, yeah. right. Because each every five over is is the extra success, and that's basically and that's thread weaving. So once you have all the threads woven, the you get to cast. Step. You get to yeah. Um, you get to actually put it into your matrix. Well, no, no. We're Sorry. we're we're talking about the actual spell casting process. So we're we're assuming the spell is already in the matrix, right? Yes. You if you needed to yes. weave threads Sorry. for the spell. 
You weave the threads. <laughs> and Sorry, then, this is a long discussion. I kind of lost track of where we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you weave your threads, and then you make your spellcasting test against your target. Right, which is usually the mystic defense of, of whoever it is that you're casting on. Yeah, uh, I loved it. it. used to be called the TSD, target spell defense. Now it's spell target's defense. mystic defense. So, yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah, the, um, the, the change to mystic defense was to line it up with mystic armor, but it also had the nice thing of... Um, simplifying the abbreviations so now pd mm-hmm. is physical defense md is mystic defense and sd is social defense whereas in previous editions you ha- would have sd for both social and spell defense oh yeah there you go so <laughs> so a little harder to figure out um and then you you check your success level right you know and then and then each success so your basic success whatever the effect the spell has happens yeah each additional um, success has additional effects in much the same way that extra successes on a melee weapons test with your sword do mm-hmm. extra damage. Extra yes. successes on a spell casting test will have an additional effect based on the spell. And it is different for every spell, although there are mm-hmm. some trends that are noticeable in a lot of cases, um, especially for um, extended duration spells like um, especially like defensive buffs and so forth extra successes will generally extend the the, the duration of of the effect um, it is not as frequent that extra successes will do extra damage on damaging spells um, mm-hmm. although many magician disciplines get a spell or two that does that where it is a spell that is intended basically to just wreak havoc and so extra successes will do extra damage. Look at Astral Spear for the Nethermancer, for example, does extra damage on successes, um, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Spirit Dart um, does not. Uh, Spirit Dart uh, extends the duration of the mystic penalty that it inflicts. Yeah. So most of your spellcasting, and so here's here's also the game balance part I have found trying to explain people who want to make a spellcaster because they think they're going to be able to do... Um, loads and loads and loads of damage is that here's the game balance portion. If you're going to cast zero thread spells, great. You can cast them all day long. One per round, you're all taken care of. If you want to cast anything more complex than that, thread weaving is one action for one round and spell casting is another action for another round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The to talk specifically about fourth edition here for a little bit, and this is something that I think was true in, in earlier editions as well, but it was not, I think, necessarily explicit. Um, and mm-hmm. it was certainly not something that was as... Um, and because it wasn't explicit, it caused, I think, some problems in um, some of the work that was tried to be done on second and, to a lesser extent, uh, I think, third edition, in terms of trying to, to balance and adjust and, and fiddle with spellcasters a little bit. Um, is that is that, and and this is the design philosophy that we kind of approached fourth edition with was that spellcasters are not going to be doing at certainly not at, at lower circles are not going to be doing as much damage with their spells as a dedicated combat character. The the, the one of the reasons for that is that spellcasters have a lot more versatility. They have a lot more tools that they can use, both in terms of like uh, combat buffs and debuffs, but also spells that are useful outside of combat. Um, you mm-hmm. know, utility spells like Crunch Climb or 
um, levitation, and I may be listing spells that aren't currently in fourth edition right now. Healing sleep, things like that. Yeah, healing sleep, um, uh, uh, uneven ground, air mattress, you know, things like so. And so basically, you the 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 trade off becomes you do sacrifice a little bit of power for greater versatility out outside of combat when a spellcaster is not under any kind of time pressure a -hmm. spellcaster can effectively bring any spell that they know to bear on a situation and that versatility i think often got overlooked in some of the designs in some of the work on earlier editions where things were focused so heavily on combat um, because it is where the a lot of the rules are people tend to focus on combat balance and purely combat balance um Mm -hmm. but there there is a a very intentional not necessarily nerfing but a very intentional like sort of scaling back of the amount of damage that a magician is going to be doing with their spells now magicians get a couple of tools in their toolbox that combat characters don't Mm -hmm. magicians get access to area effect damage Right, where you can cast spells, you don't necessarily get them right away, but you yeah. can get spells that will affect multiple targets at once. And that needs to factor in the the balance in terms of, of how powerful they can be. Um, you okay. frequently have spells that are, you know, you can cast spells. Frequently, those are going to be at range. And so you need to kind of balance, well, how close do they need to be to the target in order mm-hmm. for this to, to be in effect? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of... There's a lot of art involved in trying to balance spells and trying to, to figure out what makes a good spell and mm-hmm. and how it works. And the the idea that you can, like, create just a simple, like, sort of math system that will automatically spit <laughs> out balanced spells <laughs> is... Anytime that you try and, like like lock down a system like that, there are going to be exploits and it will be very possible for people to break the system uh, as, as a result. But, but generally, but generally speaking, generally speaking, magicians make up for a lack of maybe direct power. Although I think most discipline, most magician disciplines do get a spell or two when they get into higher circles, that is just raw, unbridled thumping power. Um, You know, if, if they want to bring that to bear, um, but I really think, and I've always felt this was the case with like D and D spellcasters as well, is that people who are looking at spells for pure raw damage potential are missing the forest for the trees. That they, yeah, that, uh, there, there was a cartoon I found oh, once upon a time. It says, "I didn't care. I didn't ask what size the room was." It says, "I cast fireball," and people like that, I just look at and shake my head a little bit just to go, "You're." to your point you're missing the forest for the trees on what you can actually do in other circumstances or is this the right spell for the circumstance not that i'm possibly in yeah so. the 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 flexibility and versatility that a spellcaster brings to bear on the game just needs to be balanced by the fact that they just in general don't do as much raw damage because otherwise why mm-hmm. would you if you're looking for raw damage, why and the, the spellcasters do more damage, why would you play a swordmaster or a warrior or an archer mm-hmm. when you can play a spellcaster that is going to be doing more damage than them? Yes. Um we we really want to try and avoid 
the situation where um, the the magicians completely overshadow the more traditional combat types mm-hmm. when, you know, in that situation. Because, you know, again, I, balance <laughs> balance is an art. Balance is, you know, like kind of just getting a feel for how things roughly work together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's the philosophy. That is, you know, you, you've got versatility and a broad array of choices and more tools that you can bring together because basically in in one sense think of it like each spell is sort of like another talent that the magician can bring to bear on a situation and as a result magicians have a lot more talents Talents. in a sense that they can that they can bring and and so that you you need to trade that off with something and we you trade it off with just raw power although there is plenty of opportunity for magicians to do raw <laughs> power if they want that is that is not their focus or purview and uh, and people yeah. who go into magicians in earth dawn with a thought towards being um a a combat mage to being someone who's going to be slinging around like super powerful spells all the time mm-hmm. is apt to be disappointed, particularly if they are coming from a more traditional D&D style fantasy casting system or any other True. system that has like, <clears throat> like, a, you know, not spell slots, but say like a mana pool that they spend points to cast spells and things like that. Yeah, um, uh, I, I, I do have a third edition mage and i did kind of focus them on combat so i can i can help you along in this analogy i did make a combat mage and i so my spells were primarily as i had a rule with my game master i said i need to make sure that my spells are combat oriented and there's before combat prep there's during combat and there's recovering from combat so my character does have healing sleep so i can help my party recover after we have a combat i have the proper buffs i have some spells that i can do zero threads that i can take care of at the time and i have all of the ones for afterward as well so if you're just wanting to do damage that's one thing i have a combat mage i'm prepared beforehand i can buff my party beforehand i can help them during the combat itself and I can help them heal and take care of things afterwards. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I if mean, you don't you know, commit the, with that the, mentality, it's a little, it's a yeah, diff- different story you've, to you've your point. The, yeah. You, you need to look at the, you know, again, the, 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 the magician is the utility infielder of earth. Dawn. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shortstop. <laughs> which, which is to, well the the utility infielder and i i may be mangling things here because i am not a huge s- baseball person but the utility infielder is sort of the person who is not necessarily like awesome at any one particular thing but is pretty good at a bunch of other things yeah and so can yeah. kind of fill in where it's necessary and i think people that that players that look purely at the damage spells of magicians are mm-hmm. losing sight of the other oh, things the that they can bring to bear like the buffs or debuffs like iron hand or flame weapon or arrow of night or combat um, fury uh uh you know defensively air armor or shield willow mm-hmm. or yes. um uh monstrous mantle or you know like anything that you that you can do to you know, support, enhance, or protect the people that are that are up front. You know, basically yes. keeping the monsters from coming and chewing on your your tasty innards. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, um, and and that as the as the high perception characters traditionally, um, although not the only ones that will have a high perception, but magicians yeah. generally are the ones that will be bringing knowledge, certainly magical knowledge and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, looking at the at the group, <laughs> at the adventuring party as a whole and what each member contributes to that. Um, you know, you just, you, you kind of need to look at it from, from that regard. Um, yeah. And, um, again, I, just, I, I, lo- I look at that most combat oriented disciplines, the warrior, the sword master, uh, and so forth. I look at them as having the 16 color Crayola crayon box to play with. Mm-hmm. And I look at spellcasters as you've got the 16, but every spell you get Every circle of spells you get, you're adding on four to eight other little colors. So eventually you're going to get to the 64 color crayon box mm-hmm. and that's pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, just, just you'll find a way to finagle <clears throat> and find the emphasis you can put to that character in which talents you can use. Because again, we're just talking spells. Magicians get talents too. Yeah. That aren't just thread weaving and spell casting. Right. And reading and writing magic. Those are the three basics right there, but they get other ones as well, which yeah. we'll get into when we get to them individually. Right. So, so they so, are also yeah, spells plus talents. They're spells plus, <laughs> plus talents. And generally speaking, spells tend to be maybe a little bit more focused or limited compared to a talent. And I won't, I'm not going to say that that's universally hundred percent act, you know, applicable. It, yeah. It but, can be. but generally speaking, you know, be, because they get so many and have, have the potential, it's just something to keep an eye on. A couple of other things that I want to mention here with regards to spell casting sure. in general. Um, I was talking about, you know, players who, who go into magician disciplines with the idea of, um, you know, being a, a fire bomber, like high damage, whatever, are, are apt to be disappointed. The other thing that you need to keep in mind when you're going to play, play a magician is patience. Um, because you have the preparation that is frequently required for thread weaving, where you're not going to be casting a spell every round. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that there will maybe be rounds where, you know, unlike where the the warrior is trying to hit something with his sword every round, you may Mm -hmm. just have a round where you are preparing to do something the next round. Now, we have in fourth edition added some additional tools where as you advance in circle as a magician, you get some tricks and abilities that allow you to get around some of those limitations. Um, and we've also, we haven't, we haven't talked about knacks at all, and we will talk about them more in depth another time, but we've, we've added in some knacks for magicians that if you are weaving a thread, you can basically do a, like, not even first circle magic level effect on somebody while you're doing it. Like, for example, um, the, the, uh, elementalist is an elementalist knack where if they're weaving a thread and they decide to use the knack they can reduce a target's armor by two and it's only Mm -hmm. by two. It doesn't matter how well they roll on it or whatever. It is only by two. They basically get sort of the secondary effect of the earth dart spell that they can inflict on a target for one round. So, Mm -hmm. but it allows them to, um, to get a little bit of an additional, um, to maybe feel like they're contributing a little bit more because that's, that's another 
common complaint with magicians from earlier editions of the game. Yeah. um, Is that sometimes the number of threads that was required and the difficulty in weaving them could make it very frustrating um, to do stuff, especially if you spend two or three rounds preparing a spell and then cast it and it fails. That is frustrating. Um, (laughs) and, And so we we've tried to provide some some additional tools that that allow a magician to at least feel like they are contributing um without getting away from some of the fundamental like patience and planning and um like compl- juggling complex stuff that is sort yeah. of fundamental to the the magician play mm-hmm. if if you're if you're looking for something simple and blasty magicians in earth dawn are not actually what you're looking for you're probably no. looking for an archer i am happily uh I, this is not complaining at all i'm ha- gonna pleasantly say uh earth dawn magicians of all stripes <clears throat> are pleasantly complex yeah and that's a good thing for most gamers who enjoy that kind of an aspect of the game which is I mean, plan a little, but I still want to be able to react on the fly. Great, because magicians have that. I can do, I can plan this spell. I can plan that spell. I can get two or three ready for the combat. But if I need to, I can still reattune on the fly just because the situation has now changed. And I can react that way. Um, A couple of movie references. I think, actually, I saw The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. And there's an example of casting from a grimoire in that movie. Because I think they're trying to banish the mummy again. And somebody's reading from the book, trying to mm-hmm. do so. Right. So that's one example I've got yeah. right there. So if you if you need to connect with your players that way to get that done, you could at least reference that. Um, I reference movies all the time because most of these, uh, a lot of us have seen. Um, if you want a visual representation of a spell matrix, like I said, I use the sausage grinder because it took me that long to figure it out. Because when you reattune, you have to change the blade at the end from the small holes to the big holes or whatever you're doing. However, I think the current Doctor Strange movie where he's got these glowing discs around his wrists every time he conjures and uses his little gestures. Yeah. Those change. Those are not bad ideas to look at for how the matrix would actually appear. Cause I always thought they looked like an Indian <clears throat> dream catcher or native American dream catcher. Yeah. Or, so. or mandala designs like from the, the, the Asian subcontinent and yes, stuff like that. So if we've sufficiently confused you, by all means, let us know. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, really, we're, we're at a, we're at basically an hour now, and I only feel like we've sort of just basic, barely scratched the surface of, of all of the stuff that that can come into play with regards to to magicians. Oh, um, agreed, because yeah. spell we didn't even is... we didn't even get into we didn't even get into the options of being able to like deciding beforehand um, extra threads, which was something that we added for for fourth edition. I was going to um, say because if any previous edition didn't really get into at all the specifics of each individual spell, extra threads ahead of time or extra successes. So every single spell in fourth edition, I'm pretty sure has the wherewithal to say extra successes ahead of time. will get you this. And if you weave an extra thread, your options are one, two, three, or four do those. Uh, so and state that ahead of time with the game master, which you would like to do. If you have an extra, if you put an extra thread into your spell, what are your options? Right. And you can declare that ahead of time. So, yes, I agree. We've just scratched the surface because this is the survival guide. Um, 
So surviving as a spellcaster in Earth Dawn is pretty simple. Get your matrix attuned ahead of time. Put your spell into it. Know mm-hmm. what you're going to do. Have a little bit of a plan. Plan always helps. Yes. Um, Especially for magicians. You... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, attune your matrix. Matrices, plural. Um, weave your threads if necessary. Cast your spell. Roll your dice. Check your successes. And then go from there. And as we've answered Brian's question, yes, Flame Flash is pretty powerful. Yeah, it's it's going to do... You know, it's 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 short range. It requires a thread. So at at first circle and early circles, you're not going to be casting it every round. But it's not it, it's not it's it's decent damage and it does it over two rounds. So it's a yeah. it is a it is a bit of a brutal spell. Yeah, it's um, like a small short range hand grenade. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, again, it's it's only a 10 yard range. So anything that you are going to be casting it on um is is you know potentially going to be able to to close the distance um yes. so it's it is like there's the trade-offs there yeah it's a little bit more powerful but it is uh it is a short range yeah it's not getting anything very far away that way but nope. only within yeah not so much there uh since we have hit more than an hour i think we're done with this episode because yep. as i said spellcasting was going to take up the rest of this and we knew it and we've uh, covered maybe a good 20% of it. <laughs> yeah. And all the possibilities. Cause we um, took a whole bunch of things off the table and yeah. really didn't get into the specifics of grimoire casting and the specifics of raw magic casting. We just kind of said, this is enough that you need to know. Cause yeah. primarily 90% of the casting you're going to do as a spellcaster at Earthon is through a matrix. Yes. Yeah, certainly, certainly to start off, it is, it is the way to go. Um, yes. Is, is no. just your just your standard matrix casting and you weave the threads, you cast the spell and you go from there. And, and the other tools that become available are more advanced and worth look, definitely worth looking into once you get the experience under your belt. But um, no, that is uh, that is that. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll wrap up there tonight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this now that we've gotten the really basics of combat and spell casting down. Um, this will allow us to start our deep dives into specific disciplines and then maybe different pieces of this will come up as we uh, explore um, each of those. Yeah, absolutely. So Uh, if you have been confused through this entire episode because spellcasting is confusing, uh, if we've not illuminated it, please ask us a question at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. If we have answered your questions, please let us know as well. If you have a better analogy than anything we've thrown at you or a better movie reference than we've thrown at you, please, by all means, do so. Um, If you've not seen Ronan, go do that. Uh, Has nothing to do with Earth Dawn. It's just a really good flick. Uh, I will pump that hard. Otherwise, um, any final thoughts, Josh? Um... We have discussed, so we've been doing like biweekly episodes. We've been going um, every every other week here with this. But we found that with our multiple topics, we tend to have been running long than what we'd originally planned. Um, and yeah, so what we're what we're looking at doing, and we will probably be start like trying to roll this out and see how it works in the new year, is still do our recording every um, every other week Two like weeks. we have been. Yeah. But basically take our sort of two topics and actually just break those up into two episodes. Um, so the individual episodes will likely, hopefully, maybe be shorter. Um, <laughs> this one notwithstanding. <laughs> the, but we will basically be releasing, um, you know, an episode focused on each topic or two, depending um, every week is, is what we're looking at. 
um, because we've been averaging looking at the the numbers here now we've been running this will be episode seven um, mm-hmm. looking at at whatnot we've got a, an average listenership our our numbers are estimating about a hundred listeners which is not bad nice I'll um, take that that was double my know, last podcast with with yeah. best. Um, so so that's good and um, I think that that if we can figure out how to maybe get content out more regularly without needing to add on a whole lot of extra work. And I think mm-hmm. just basically breaking up what has been, um, you know, one long hour and 15 hour and 20 minute episode into two 30 to 40, 40 minute 45. episodes, <laughs> you know, yeah. might end up. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, I no, agree. that's, and, that's what we're looking at. And, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll go yeah. there. Um, people have also, asked about just in general we haven't like gotten emails about it but mentioned it to me on um like twitter or discord things like that is the possibility of getting like guests on um like to possibly if if like we could set up a a, a, an interview with like lou um or something like that and it's certainly something that we could potentially do um but we haven't looked into the logistics of of (laughs) how to do that just yet Um, we've barely figured this part out yeah two of us (laughs) yeah um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly something that, that would be, that I'm, I'm sure would be interesting. I have spoken to Lou, um, both online and in person multiple times over the years, but I'm sure that, that, uh, Dan would be, um, thrilled to, to Starstruck. talk and, and ask questions and whatnot. I've never actually um, met Lou. I've, uh, would be honored to do so. And that's just me as a fan. So, cause I love the creation he started. So yeah. And, and other, you know, and, and other people in the, the community. He's so the George well. Lucas of earth dawn. Come on. Oh, I don't so. know that I would go that far. <laughs> um, I mean, in, 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 in one sense, perhaps, um, although I'm sure he, like me would be, um, happy to say it was absolutely a team effort a team and effort. would not have been yes. happened without all of the other wonderful creatives that were involved. Um, but yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have Star Wars um, without John Williams. You know, or, it, it is um, it, it is something yeah, that, that we will, you know, now that we've sort of got half a dozen episodes here and have at least maybe started to get a feel for how this is going to work, uh, might look into that in the future. Yeah, um, but that'll so, that'll do it uh, for. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. So fair enough. All right, folks, uh, that's it for this week. About an hour and 10. Not bad for us overall. A little shorter than last time. We'll try and be quicker about it next time. And otherwise, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Go make your own legend. Good night. Good night.